Youths have long been excluded from policy making because of limited opportunities, whether in trade or peace. This can be observed particularly in fragile and conflict-affected states, where youth involvement in peace processes is becoming more important than ever. While youth have incrementally advocated for their voices to be heard, today our Trade for Peace champions will further discuss the important role of youth in advancing trade development as a key element in building and sustaining peace processes around the world. This and more today on Trade for Peace. The opinions and statements expressed in the Trade for Peace podcast are entirely and solely those of the guests and the hosts. The WTO Secretariat takes no institutional positions on matters of policy or of the WTO membership. Welcome to the Trade for Peace podcast youth series brought to you by the WTO Trade for Peace Future Leaders. My name is Suksana Sisampon. And my name is Nur Kabara. We are co-focal points for the Trade for Peace program in the Accessions Division of the WTO, and we are your co-hosts for the third episode of the Youth Series. The Trade for Peace Youth Series is a 30-minute podcast with youth engaged and interested in trade, economy integration, peace building, and the cross-cutting topics that tie these concepts together. Our guests are young professionals and inspiring leaders striving to make trade work for peace and the people. Welcome to the third episode of the Trade for Peace podcast youth series when trade and peace young leaders meet. Today we have with us Tamara Persaud, a young professional in the Agriculture and Commodities Division of the WTO, and Medea Sagantini, the head of events at the Peace Building Initiative of the Graduate Institute, a student-led initiative which aims to provide an entry point to engage the youth and young professionals in the current global peace building architecture. So Tamara and Media, welcome to our Trade for Peace podcast youth series. Before we get started, I think we could have some more introduction to get to know you better. So Tamara and Media, can you please tell us a bit about yourselves? Who are you and how did you get here? Let's start with you, Tamara. So my name is Tamara Prasad and I'm a St. Lucian national. Um, my academic background is in pure economics and statistics, but after I finished my education, I specialized in agricultural economics. So I previously worked for the Ministry of Agriculture and OECD doing macroeconomic modeling and scenario analysis. Um, and prior to coming to the WTO, I worked at UN Food and Agriculture Organization doing value chain analysis in the Caribbean, which was very different from the work I did before. And I'm currently working at the WTO in the Agriculture and Commodities Division but in the SPS, Sanitary and Phytosanitary Division, and also for the Standards and Trade Development Facility, which is the sort of funding or project wing of SPS projects here at the WTO. Thank you very much for having me today, and I'm looking forward to our direct conversation. I'm Medea Sigantini. I'm Italian and German. I'm a student right now at the Graduate Institute. I came to Geneva almost two years ago now to study international affairs and specialize in global security and human rights. And I joined the Peace Building Initiative just a few weeks after I got to Geneva with the desire to share ideas and develop projects related to peace building, but above all to strengthen and support uh, youths in this leading role in peace building and also to connect in a sort of way to professional and academic world. And my background is in politics, philosophy, and economics, so still grounded in political science. And I had the opportunity to work more related to counterterrorism and at the Human Rights Council here at the UN. 
Right now, I'm in the process of writing my thesis about inclusive peace building. So it's greatly connected to also the topic we're going to discuss today. And in two days, I'm going to start my first job at the Geneva Center for Security Policy. Awesome. It's a pleasure to have you both in the podcast. And I hope that with the next questions, our listeners will get to know um, you a bit more. So Tamara, how did you end up working in trade here at the World Trade Organization and what has inspired you and why? So I come to trade more from an agriculture perspective, and it's impossible to work in agriculture without understanding trade, whether or not you're working for a very large country or you're working in small island developing states, uh, partially because all commodities are traded and also all inputs are traded. So I like my passion is really the nexus of food security, climate change, and agriculture. But for you to work in that any of those fields, you have to have a good grounding in trade. So moving from UNFAO to WTO was kind of a natural progression, um, just moving from a regional level to like a truly, essentially global multilateral level. Thank you, Tamara. Very interesting journey and great to have you at the WTO now. Thank you for having me. And Medea, now back to you as our peace community representative. So could you tell us how and why you got interested in peace building? And could you say a few words on the peace building initiative? Yes, I think that peace building and conflict studies was always something that really fascinated me and interests me. And at the same time, like in my free time, I was traveling a lot and it really takes you just two hours flight to realize that peace is really not something that you can give for granted because the majority of the world does not experience it today. So I think that also talking about the youth and also the intergenerational dialogue that we need today and right now. If I think about a lot of generation in my age, they are often born in conflict and will have to experience it for their entire life. So I think this was quite shocking for me, but also was on a certain point of view inspiring because it pushed me to study what I decided to study. And I think also Today, uh, it is really important as what the Peace Building Initiative is doing that was founded in 2019 because we try to address these challenges by integrating uh, the relationship and also by organizing events with the youth and young professional to sort of like build a bridge between uh, the two sides of the academic sphere and the professional one. And uh, I think that also if we look at that, our statistic, we can see that Right now, also the Red Cross states that 110 conflicts are ongoing. Also that more than 50% of all peace agreements fail within five years. So I really think that dialogue is a key that we need nowadays. Thank you, Miria, for telling us more about the initiative. It is indeed an inspiring one um, and getting young people um, here in International Geneva. Before digging into the road of trade and peace building, let's talk more about your respective fields, trade and peace, to better understand trade and peace and perceive the linkage among the two. So since we are here at the WTO, I'll give the floor to our peace colleague first. Media, um, if you had to define peace, how would you define it? If I had to define peace, I think that I would follow the definition that is provided in the disarmament guide uh, developed by the UN, together with Melissa Gillis, which say that sustainable peace is possible only as part of an inclusive process that pays attention to human rights, justice, reconciliation, and broad participation. So uh, including women, youth, indigenous people, and all other involved parties, because I think it's crucial that we don't only speak about peace, but something which is considered sustainable peace, because of course we aim to a peace that is long lasting. So uh, to avoid and reduce the possibility of a relapse into conflict. 
Thank you, Medea. Peace is indeed such a big word, and it's very important to define it, including what you said about sustainable peace. Um, but I wanted to ask you more about the evolution of peace lately. How do you see it? And what about peace processes in today's multilateral world? Yeah, I think that as the nature of conflict has changed uh, lately, so has also, of course, the understanding of peace and uh, security. And if for many years, peace was only meant to be defined or seen as the absence of violence and the war, I think that today it's widely recognized that peace is much more than just the absence of war. So also linking to the definition, which is one of the many I just uh, said about sustainable peace, I think that scholars and policymakers and practitioners are right now today acknowledging the fact that to prevent or at least to reduce the possibility of our relapse into conflict, the most important thing for us is to make sure that we have an inclusive peace process. And peace process does not mean only the negotiation or the negotiating table, but also what happens before, outside the the closed doors and what happens after. So the fact that we work toward broad inclusion, I think is something crucial because it allows us to have a dialogue and to make sure that all the people that are affected have a, a voice and influence the result of the peace agreement itself. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Media. Now let's go back to trade with you, Tamara. Same question as Media. How would you define trade and why has it been so essential for economic development, especially in fragile and conflict-affected states? So the textbook answer for what trade is, is the movement of goods and services, um, in the case of WTO, across borders. But previously and currently, internal trade is very important, particularly in conflict-ridden regions. Um, in terms of why it's essential for economic development, again, the textbook answer you would get here at the WTO is that um, it allows for specialization in goods or services um, that you can then profit from and use to purchase goods and services from another region. Um, I think a better way to think about it might be, let's use the case of food security. Most countries can't grow all the food that they need, um, and they also have budgetary constraints. By specializing in a particular good or service, you can then purchase the food, let's say, that you need or the services that you need. So that's a more concrete example of why it's important from a sort of livelihood perspective, but also an, an economic development perspective. Thank you, Tamara, for, for your answer. Um, now that you are working substantially in international trade, which challenges ahead do you see for trade and which opportunities? Maybe you can talk a bit more about food security and agriculture since it's what you're specialized in. So like you said, I come to trade from an agriculture perspective and I am concerned with food security more broadly. I would say both the challenge and the opportunity is looking towards how we can adjust the trading system or move forward with the trading system in a way that's inclusive. Um, it's not a surprise to anybody that there's been a backlash to trade and globalization, particularly because those who have lost from trade have not been compensated and also there are aspects of inequality. So I think the challenge for us here, and again, the opportunity is how do we move forward with better terms of trade for particular countries, um, think, including ideas about sustainability and, and green trade, particularly when it's developing nations or conflict-ridden nations that are facing the brunt end of this climate crisis. Um, so these are both incredible challenges, but uh, I think we're well-placed, particularly here, um, to address them. Thank you.
Now that we know more about trade and peace, um, let's dive into the role of trade in peace building. So the Trade for Peace team at the WTO has been working on highlighting the complex and interesting linkages between trade and peace through our different pillars. As you may know, under these pillars, we have various activities and research projects involving collaboration between the trade and peace communities. In your opinion, how are trade and peace linked? Can trade help peace building efforts? And if yes, how? Maybe let's start with you, Medea. Yes, I think that uh, as you were saying, trade and peace have a strong connection, but traditionally they have been studied and approached uh, in a certain way as if they were silos. So this of course led to a gap in understanding their interconnectedness as well as the impact of one field on the other. So I think that what we need to do is to investigate and study it further because historically we see actually that trade and peace have always interacted across many policy areas and many different regional contexts. And so I think that finally today we are starting to work on this trade for peace um, as an important aspect of the international agenda because the interconnectedness between the two, between trade development and peace and also, of course, stability has became, become really evident. So as shown in many inter and intrastate conflicts. And I think that this should foster the promotion of integrating the trade for peace area, but also the fact of integrating the youth and its role for the as future leaders. And moving more on the how, I think that first of all, we need to understand the nature and the implication of the trade and peace nexus. So um, what concerns the, the fact that we need to assume and follow a sort of approach, which is uh, cross-disciplinary, which means of course that it's uh, comprehensive and can go from economy to law to political science, but also on, on, the side, on the human side of sharing different experiences. So I think that this is the only like, way that will allow us to understand each side. So I think going back to the dialogue and intergenerational dialogue, of course. Very um, interesting insights. What do you think about it, Tamara? Um, right. So from my side, I would say something quite similar. Uh, you can't actually have trade unless you have peace. And it's more likely to have peace if you're actually trading and regionally integrated. So it's either can be an upward spiral or a downward spiral, like we saw here in Europe in the 1930s, for example. Um, and I would say, I think historically we have thought about them separately, but you see how they're very important in particular, like when I was working at FAO, where do you typically have to have food aid? You have to have food aid in areas where there's conflict. It's incredibly hard to trade. And then that's actually when you see very important uh, intra-regional trade um, routes pop, like pop up in these regions because they have to circumvent the fact that there's not cross-border trade because they have to to trade internally and, and make do with the scarce resources that they have. So while I think they've been thought of separately on the ground, like practically people have been adapting to those sorts of situations for quite some time now. But I mean, maybe academically we haven't addressed it that way. Thank you, Tamara. As you know, in February, the Trade for Peace team organized a speed meeting event matching young leaders specialized in peace with those specialized in trade. And you both participated in a series of meetings with a counterpart from the other community. So what were your thoughts about the event? Did you learn anything new or found anything particularly interesting that you would like to share with us? Let's have your thoughts first, Medea, and then we'll move to Tamara. 
Yeah, uh, it was a very interesting and fruitful uh, event, not only because of the topic, but also because of the format, because I think that this speed dating idea really helped to uh, bring people together that were open to dialogue, open to listen to the other side, which is something that many times is missing in the international community. So I found it very fruitful uh, because I learned to see things in a, from a different perspective. So I had to admit that uh, through this conversation, I realized that many times like peace from the practitioner point of view and from a trade point of view looks like something very idealistic and not very concrete and practical. But speaking with the other side, I found it very interesting that we all ended up with the idea that uh, trade can uh, learn from peace to be more like context related and peace can uh, understand a bit better the, the importance of being more efficient and result-driven because of course at the end of the day you want to bring something to people on both sides so this is what also brings you together you know because you want to see a change and something that is long-lasting and not like only relief or a short-term solution so i found it super interesting what about you tamara what are your thoughts about it I thought the format was really fun as well. It was uh, a great way to meet a lot of people in a short period of time. I learned a lot from my peace colleagues, uh, the organizations they work for, the initiatives that I didn't know existed in Geneva because there's so many and it's hard to keep track of. Um, and I think what I was struck by, um, I can't say this necessarily about working in trade here in Geneva, but working in trade in the Caribbean, that our approaches are actually quite similar in that we do typically work from bottom up building consensus style, sort of low and slow ways of doing things. So that struck me as, as, as you know, we come from very different perspectives and our goals are actually in the end typically quite different, uh, even if they're interrelated, but we do on a base level have that same practice. We're glad to hear that you like the format and that you had fruitful discussions and that you have enjoyed the event as much as we did. Now let's speak from a youth perspective. Do you believe that you have a role to play in terms of trade and peace? If so, what role? Could you give us examples? Uh, yeah, I think that youth are among those mo most affected by conflict, but they are the least involved in the post-conflict reconstruction process, which includes, of course, negotiation, economic integration, and also all the policy-making efforts. So in conflict-affected setting, um, the youth is also exposed to various forms of violence. And of course, uh, this includes uh, forced participation in armored conflicts or also targeted violence and psychological trauma. And this is um, the element that should bring light to the fact that given that so many um, young people are involved in conflict and there will be the future leaders and we are in a moment in human history with um, the hugest number of uh, young professionals and young people experiencing conflict, I think that we really need to make sure that they're involved and that they share their perspective, because, of course, in the future, there will be the leaders in trade and peace on both sides. Mm -hmm. Similar question for you, um, Tamara. How do you see the role for young people in trade for peace? And um, how could it play a great role, especially in the current context of fragile and conflict-affected states? Well, I, I agree with Madia in that, you know, we have the, one of the youngest populations that have ever existed, and they also are in many ways the most educated and, and, and quite qualified. I think from my own field, I can see 
um, they're entering into the field of trade and in particular agriculture in really interesting ways and are and are taking a different approach uh, to the field that previous generations haven't. Um, at the same time, I think it is worth noting um, in fields like this, which tend to preference people who have wide networks, quite a bit of power, and in my case, quite a bit of capital and money to throw around, the barriers to entry are profoundly high. Um, even in our own international fields, we've all felt the experience that uh, you know the, the threshold for youth is getting higher and higher. Um, so I think while youth are quite innovative and they have a role to play, and they're quite qualified that uh, the barriers to entry are quite high and something does have to give at the top if we're speaking frankly. Um, to have true inclusion. So I think we both agree with what you just said, Tamara. It's very important to have a place for use in trade and peace, to have an inclusive um, community. And now on a more personal note, let's go to our rapid fire question segment. This segment is a great opportunity for our audience to get to know you better. So if you are up for it, you will have 10 seconds to respond to five short questions. And for each question, Maria, you have to answer it first, followed by Tamara. Are you ready? So I'll go with the first question. Who would be a youth guest you would like to see in our podcast? Uh, I think going back to Peace Building Initiative, I would see our president as representing because she has a extensive academic and professional background related to it. Uh, for myself, I think there are a number of YPs who have worked on the African Free Trade Agreement, which deals with issues of peace, trade, and regional uh, integration. So they would be the perfect people to interview next. A trade or peace-related book you would recommend and why? Uh, I would recommend Economic Peace Between Democracies, uh, so Economic Sanction and Domestic Institution. It's not so recent and updated, but I think it's still something to, to read and related to sanction, which is something that puts together trade and peace. Uh, for myself, it would be the social history of agriculture. Again, not quite explicitly trade, but it links the history of labor, which is, tends to be agrarian, to current trends now, and it shows how our current relations have evolved through agriculture. Next, a person in your field, trade or peace that inspires you? I would say uh, in the sphere of peace, Irene Fellin, which is now working uh, on the Women, Peace and Security Agenda at NATO, but before worked also in, in Turkey, because I think it's inspiring from uh, women empowerment point of view, but also from a more security and peace-related point of view. Um, for myself, it would be Amilcar Kabal, who is not alive, but his way of thinking and way of approaching development and also being an agriculturalist has really influenced my approach to doing development work, to integrating both traditional and new versions of development, and sort of has it's really influenced my ideas about how do we move forward moving from a bottom-up approach as opposed to top-down, which is what you typically see in international organizations. And now a peace trade topic you are currently following closely. Uh, I think during the entire last year I was really into the relation and the sanction system of the, of course, and the relationship between Russia and the WTO. So to see trade as a weapon for peace and also as involved in conflict and hostilities, so it shows how much it is also part of the peace process or negotiation more in general. Um, and for myself, uh, the cotton issue is moving forward. That's a region that is 
has quite a bit of conflict and has been on the, I think if we're speaking frankly, the losing end of trade. Um, so th those issues and, and the progress we make in the coming year, I think will be interesting. Last question. One thing you would like to see happening in 2023? Uh, I think that now that we're moving forward and we have realized that trade and peace go together, I would want to see what we were talking about today. So this inclusive dialogue, because they are connected and now we are acknowledging this, but they are not inclusive enough today. Um, similar to myself, I hope we see a decrease, at least in conflict, uh, maybe a movement back to a more stable equilibrium, and also hopefully no recession in 2024. Thank you, Tamara and Medea, for your very insightful responses. And we'd like to end the podcast with just one last question. In just one word, what does trade for peace mean to you and why? Let's start with you, Tamara. Um, I think it's a little corny, but I would say it does mean hope and like hope for a future that's more economically viable, that's more stable. Again, sounds corny saying it from Geneva, but the fact of the matter is it's kind of out of reach for a large portion of the world's population. Yeah, I would say complementarity uh, because we need this inclusive dialogue and we need both sides and also stability because one is not possible without the other. And we are working towards it, I think, all the people here in the room and also outside of it. And this really our Trade for Peace future leaders, Tamara and Media. Thank you for joining us today on Trade for Peace and sharing with us your story and experience. And thank you for your work on Trade and Peace. Uh, I just want to thank both of you for having us here today and uh, bringing us together for this really great dialogue. Yes, thank you very much for having us today. So thank you to the host and for, Tam uh, for Tamara to be here. It was a great conversation. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to our episode When Trade and Peace Young Leaders Meet. Don't forget to follow us on our social media channels. We are present on Twitter and LinkedIn as Trade for Peace. We are your hosts, Noor Kavara and Sukhsanat. This is important. 